Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Jocelyn. Welcome back. Hope you're feeling Thank better. Oh, you. Uh, you know, I'm getting there. It's uh, It's been a really rough road, actually, and I still have quite a lot of symptoms, and I'm going to try not to talk for like too much of an extended period because I'm definitely going to start coughing and then Ryan's just going to hear like silence be like what's going on <laughs> no it's all good I've 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 been where you are uh, a week or two ago all the time is is all smooshed together so I it's hard to know which week it was but I I was there it, you, you feel better eventually, uh, but it is it is a long road, a longer road than you want it to be with with COVID. But yeah, yeah, and and way more than and this won't be the whole show, I promise, guys. But uh, yeah, like way more than I thought it was going to be. Like I I know, like obviously we've all seen all the reports over the past couple of years, and we've been so careful, and like I still wasn't like mentally prepared for how sick I was going to feel. And it hit me really hard. Like I'm two weeks, more than two weeks now that I've had, that I've had COVID. I'm still testing positive. Like I can't really like, <laughs> and you can hear it in my voice. I'm sure. Um, I can't finish my sentences. Words escape me a lot. Like the brain fog is real. Um, and and so is the fatigue, and I'm still struggling with the both of those things. So I hope that I'm able to be coherent through the show today, and I hope you guys can like bear with me through my attempting to make points and remember things because <laughs> I feel like this is gonna be a shit show. But <laughs> oh, a shit show and a shit show! <laughs> it works on so many levels. <laughs> Although this is probably going to be better than a shit show. I think this will be a good episode. we got lots of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, Ryan keeping it on the rails. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Although I will start things off. I didn't put this in the, uh, a funny story. It's, 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 I think it's video game related. So I was like cleaning the office. My office has been in disarray since I moved here. I had a box if on the floor. this is a Sonic thing, it's I'm going to be so mad at you. <laughs> I think some could consider it worse. I consider it worse <laughs> oh, no. okay. than Sonic. But there's no clips. It'll be a quick, fun story, and then we can we can move into uh, God of War. But um, I've been cleaning the office, and I think everyone at home can relate to some degree in the sense that I've had a box on my floor filled with stuff that is like had stuff added to it, had stuff removed from it. But the core message here is I had a box sitting there for five years from my old house because I had a closet in the old office. I don't have a closet in the new office, so it's just this box has just been sitting there. So I finally cleaned out the office and cleaned everything. I had a bunch of... Um, stuff in the corner too i one of it was like a poster roll from when i was you know in university like over a decade ago so i'm like i gotta get rid of these posters there's no like if they haven't been hung up in 10 years they're never going to be hung up so i um i said well you know what i'll unfurl them i'll look at them all and then i'll put them online if anyone wants them for free they can come grab them and uh <laughs> two of them not one but two of them were like these full movie-sized posters of like chuck norris facts and I'm thinking to myself, like, who, who is going to want these? First that of all, that is not where I thought that was going to go. That's amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought it was going to be some stupid university boy thing. Like, you know, I, I don't even know some like <laughs> posters of 
girls in bikinis or like something that you'd be like, oh, yeah, that was 18 year old Ryan. No, <laughs> Chuck Norris jokes. <laughs> yeah, I am i don't know why I had two of them. Like, not, and I'm not talking <laughs> about like two, two copies. Exactly the same, like two copies no. or no, two totally different posters full of. OK, I'm just trying to like get into the mindset of like 20 year old Ryan. <laughs> I like it's a. It, it was I think it's worse than two copies because I. I in university, and I mean you know the mats. Obviously, you're married to one. Um, yes. <laughs> the we we all had a bunch of posters. I think I was the only one that took mine off the wall and and brought them home, thinking, "Oh yeah, I'll put these up." Never did. Never, never. Obviously, because they stayed in, in the uh, poster tube that I had. Um, I love that. Also, they were precious enough to you. I know <laughs> you had an actual poster it tube for them. <laughs> surprise anyone that I kept these things in pristine condition <laughs> but um yeah like it's i don't know what's worse if it were two copies of the same poster because then it could be like oh one was mine and one was one of the roommates and i just happened to to stash it actually that might be worse but in this case it was like it's two posters one is 50 chuck norris facts and then the other poster is literally labeled chuck norris facts number two and there's another 50 <laughs> So the idea being that you love Chuck Norris facts so much that you put these posts. And I don't even remember buying the poster. Clearly someone <laughs> did. And then I put it with all the other posters. But like you talked about the traditional like posters of the time. Um, I had two <laughs> Batman Dark Knight posters. One why so serious and one Batman looking all brooding and standing Bat over Manny. Gotham. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, there was an office poster. Office was big. Um, there was a God of War poster. Uh that was topical like, i know but it was like the old god of war it was um i think they were they were remastering one and two well and three. i know I it know. wasn't the new god of war no, of i know not. that you weren't in university four no. years ago <laughs> but but honestly it would have been i i saw that poster and i'm like you know what i i am inclined to keep video game posters but honestly i'd rather just go buy a 2018 poster and store that in a poster tube and never put it up <laughs> store it oh my you god know? So, uh, anyways, <laughs> if anyone wants a bunch of, uh, those, <laughs> let They're me know. <laughs> yeah. I have a giant Star Wars poster oh, as well great. and a giant Bruce Lee poster. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, the only poster that I can remember having on my dorm room wall was like a mixology poster. It was probably the same layout as your 50 Chuck Norris jokes, but it was 50 cocktail recipes instead. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I did, I did find two posters that I'm going to keep and likely put up downstairs in, in the basement, which is more of like a, it's like, it's like more of an all purpose entertainment room. The kids watch TV down there and they have all their play toys and stuff down there. And it was uh, a Murphy's law poster and a things we learned from video game poster. And I felt like they were fun enough and, uh, obviously PG enough to, uh, yeah. to have on the wall. Um, but that, those are the two of the lot that I decided to, uh, to, to sort of keep, but yeah, it was weird. It was just like a, I mean, I know we bought a lot of posters because the place that we rented was just the walls were like really, <laughs> you had to cover all the holes. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of holes and just not hadn't been painted in a while. It was like a very old style house. So like it was like the old school plaster walls and they, they like, and they fall apart. They really, yeah, you know, they disintegrate. <laughs> yeah. So the posters, I think, were structural, uh, like keeping the house <laughs> up. To be honest, and the spiders. They kept the spiders in the basement for the most part. Oh God. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> ask uh, Ask Matt to tell you that story. I think he spent a nope, weekend nope, in the basement nope, with nope, a shot nope, back. Nope, nope. 
just cleaning out the spiders. Um, oh my god, that is horrific. <laughs> and then and then ask him if this story is true. But I'm pretty yeah. Like there was a shower in the basement. That's where we had to shower. It was not good. I have heard about the basement shower. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, uh, spiders and posters. That's I went down memory lane this week. Yeah, that was a little bit of a tangent, but it's okay. We'll bring it back to God God of War. War. Exactly. Um, So, Ryan, this is the first week, I think, that I can actually say, yes, I have been playing God of War. (laughs) I can buy that cloth map now. Yes. (laughs) All right. Although I'm not done. I'm not close to done. And and part of this, like, thank you so much, Game Club. And I've got to say... The, the game club stuff is actually working really well because I am weeks behind now. So I have completed the first milestone. I think I'm really close to completing the second milestone. But you guys have already started the third week of conversation. So like I am a solid week and a half behind, I would say at least. Um, just because I cannot find the brain power to sit down and play video games, which is like hurting my soul Honestly, like I finish my work day and all I want to do is sleep and then sleep some more (laughs) and or like crash on the couch until it's an acceptable bedtime for an adult. (laughs) And then I go to bed for good. Like it's bad. You know, you're not feeling well when you can't even play video games. (laughs) So I've kind of been playing in these like 45 minute to an hour long chunks whenever I'm feeling up to it. Um, and I find that I usually have the brain power to, to get into it on my lunch hour. So like I'd been working from home, obviously COVID positive, not going into any kind of office. Um, so I've been like playing God of War for an hour at lunchtime and then I can kind of wrap my brain around it. But, um, the game club has been super awesome because people actually do come back to those old threads. So like I posted my thoughts for week one and and people actually came back to it. And I was like, oh, this is this is actually like working as intended. It's really awesome and really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that based on our experience with uh, I think I think 13 Sentinels had a lot some folks, you know, uh, running behind or or had folks that had already played it and were jumping in on threads where they knew there were major story arcs. Um, you know, resolving where you could come in and have a conversation and and it works. Um, and anybody can just jump in, revive a thread by just posting something in there. And then everybody who wasn't there earlier gets a notification if, if they're set up to receive them. And yeah, it's, it's a solid system. Like I know there are, I know discord has come a long way. There's like other, you know, options and stuff. And, and that might be something we look into for, for future, uh, game clubs. But I think the threads, uh, work quite well and the threads are working. Yeah. 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 It, it, they work. And, um, you know, on the note of like, not, you know, wanting, like not feeling up to playing video games. I was there too. Like I felt that as well. It was hard to explain, um, to, to kind of like understand like, ah, oh, like, uh, I, I want to play video games, but I don't yes. feel like playing. Yes. And, oh my God. Exactly that. Like I, I, kept thinking I really want to get back into God of War because I'm enjoying it for the most part. Um, At the beginning, I absolutely hated the axe recall mechanic where like Mm. you would throw the axe and then it would like get stuck in stuff and it always gets stuck. It doesn't like boomerang back to you sometimes and get stuck if you throw it into like wood or something like it always gets stuck and you always have to call it back. And I was like, this is so dumb. I hate this so much. Like, I would rather not have a ranged option 
than to do it this way. <laughs> so, uh, but kind of like over time, as I got used to the combat a little bit more, and as I kind of realized that like, if I realigned myself, my axe would hit stuff and do damage on the way back to me. So then it felt a little bit more purposeful. Um, I kind of started to warm to it a little bit more, but now it almost feels like the axe is easy mode, I guess. Like, I feel like I never really have to dodge anything. I can just like throw my axe, recall my axe and throw my axe and recall my axe and throw my axe and recall my axe and it's dead. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> maybe I need to up the difficulty again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, I find that like and early on in the game, I think it's it's very uh, it, like throwing the axe and recalling it like that's one of the m major new mechanics for, for God of War in terms of and, and it comes back like from like 2018 would have been right in that time frame. Uh, well, quite a bit after uh, like sort of Avengers and Thor's hammer and throwing it and having it come back mm. and, and it's, it's such a novel mechanic. And I know like based on um documentaries about the game's development they worked really hard on that mechanic and it was obviously uh introduced a lot of bugs in the sense that you could you could recall the the hammer the hammer the axe whenever you wanted uh, even if you left it behind ages ago oh yeah there's sometimes that like i forget <laughs> that yeah. i have to recall it and i just like throw it the last time and then i go on with my axe free life <laughs> and then all of a sudden i'm just like oh hey wait a minute and then i like stick out my hand and it is very like thor from the movies when he forgets his hammer and it's just like you're standing there with your hand out forever and then all of a sudden it's like Thwack! and i'm like oh there it is it's like it literally had to fly through dimensions to get to me <laughs> yeah and i mean that mechanic like alone i when i first played it i was like this is so cool that i can throw a hammer and have it come back but when you use it in uh, gameplay it can be uh a little erratic in the sense that you're throwing your weapon uh, especially early on when you don't have a lot of skills unlocked and the game doesn't really explain to you that you can use unarmed combat as well especially like really at the very start of the game um you don't really realize like oh there's also unarmed combat which is just as viable as the axe mm -hmm. and uh works really well especially if you're struggling with enemies that have large health pools sometimes you can stagger them in a way where you just you can rip them apart with just a few punches which like i also thought was really interesting that your axe doesn't build up stun because it also feels really odd to essentially throw away your main weapon in order to pound someone with your fist a couple of times and then like you say you get this like notification this like pulsing red circle thing that like indicates to you that you can do some sort of like insta kill super mode move and it's like wait so me hitting you three times with my fist makes it so i can instant kill you but i have this like magical axe and i have to hit you 20 times with a magical axe like that doesn't really seem right <laughs> so i know it's it's a kind of an odd mechanic in that way like that there is no easy way to switch between them or i don't know like it just it's it's odd combat wise and lore wise i think the the way they kind of implemented it and i get the fantasy of like being Thor and sticking out your hand and catching the hammer like everybody wants to do that there is not a person in the world who doesn't want to do that it makes you feel badass but when you make it your repetitive gameplay loop it's kind of like wait a minute this doesn't kind of 
fit as well as I or it's not as smooth I think as I would have hoped yeah yeah I think uh the combat obviously evolves over time as you unlock um more moves and stuff and and specifically with you know if you're doing a lot of axe throwing during combat um there are moves that you can unlock I think later on uh, where you can recall the axe in combat, which which you know skips the whole um, uh, you know long summon animation, and it just like it brings the axe to you immediately, and you use like a like a, a different type of combat move uh, mm. with the axe. And and again, like I think early on, like they're as they're trying to introduce you to the combat, I think you do struggle a bit. Uh, at least I did with. Um, not necessarily the smaller enemies, but the bigger enemies that you're fighting, like the the trolls and, and the ogres uh, near the beginning. But then afterwards, as you start to, you know, get the hang of the combat and they're introducing more mechanics um, and then you you get better at crowd control and and whatnot, I, um, it, it <laughs> does start to evolve uh, and, and get a little bit easier to uh, really take over the screen i guess i don't know it's it's hard to say but yeah yeah see like i mean i haven't really um i looked at a lot of the skills mostly what i've been upgrading is my kid like the passive arrow bow stuff that he does is i've basically been sinking all my points into him because it's just one button there's nothing fancy about it it just like basically um makes his arrows come off cooldown faster he does more damage he'll sometimes do like fancy extra moves like he'll basically perform like crowd control actions and then jump off their back and shoot them a couple times and again all of that is stuff i don't have to manage he just does it so i put a lot of points into that because then i can just like spam my um square button i think Mm -hmm. Um, and just be like, shoot, shoot, shoot. And then I throw my axe a couple times and then his arrows are back up again and he does a lot of damage now. So I'm just like, it's kind of like pet management. (laughs) It's not a bad thing to say about my child. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think in this case, like it's from a game mechanic perspective. From a game mechanic perspective. Yeah. It's like, it gives me like wow hunter vibes, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's my kill command. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think like, uh, again, as the game progresses, like at the very beginning, he has just a bow and, and arrows and he can shoot them. And as you said, like you do unlock, um, you know, uh, he has the ability to summon, um, he has like a special move similar to some of Kratos special moves. I mean, he does, Atreus doesn't have a lot, but man, I never, ever, ever use special moves because those tutorial things pop up one time and then I totally forget that I even have them. Like I, I literally am playing the entire game, just standing back, hucking my axe and getting my kid to shoot arrows. And that's how I've done every boss fight. And it's been easy mode. <laughs> right. I mean, as long as you're having fun, like then, by all means, throw the ha- throw the hammer, throw the axe <laughs> from afar. And again, I I keep confusing the two as well. But, um, but I think like the the beauty of this game and is that they take that arena combat, they bring the camera in close. Like again, like the older God of War games were were arena combat as well. But the the camera was sort of panned out, and and you saw a lot more of of what was going mm. on. In this case, they bring the camera closer. To yeah, it does the feel pretty tight. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's where it is uh, at its best when you're you're in the thick of it. 
Um, but again, like throwing the axe, there is a lot of viable upgrades for that where you can chain throws and, and if you hit them in the specific weak spot, you can freeze enemies. Um, <laughs> yeah, like so I'm reading through all of like the tech tree and stuff and I'm reading all of those options and I go, or I could passively make my pet stronger. <laughs> I'm just going to do that. <laughs> this all seems complicated. My combat style is working fine. And I mean, maybe there will be a time where I will be severely punished for, you know, taking a ranged approach instead of a melee approach. But I am very glass cannony right now. Like I'm pouring all my stats into strength instead of like vitality. And, you know, I am being very... Yeah, it's it's definitely a gameplay choice. And it's not necessarily that I enjoy that kind of combat. It's that it does feel easier because I played more melee, like, you know, get into the thick of it style in the first little while of the game, like the first like hour or two, maybe. And it felt so punishing. I was just like, oh my God, everything is kicking my butt. Like those giant trolls, that first boss battle thing that has like 18 phases and goes on forever, even though it's so repetitive. Uh, (laughs) I swear, I'm actually enjoying the game, guys, I promise. (laughs) But like, I was trying to do like melee stuff and I'm just like, I'm getting destroyed by these big stomps and these swinging of these trees and things at my face. And I'm like, or I could just stand way far back and throw my axe. It takes longer. <laughs> like it takes forever. <laughs> but, you know, I get there and I don't die. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like part of the reason we're, you know, doing a game club, not only because Ragnarok comes out um, in just three weeks or so. Yeah, a couple weeks. Yeah. But th- this is like, unlike other God of War games, this is a very story heavy game. There's a lot of you know, world building and uh, stories to be told um, just not just of the characters that you're controlling and interacting with, but also like the background and the environments. Yeah, I will say the the setting of the game is so freaking cool. And I am not intimately familiar with like Norse mythology or any of that stuff, but I know enough to like recognize names and see where they're bringing ideas in. And there are some very truly like epic moments even like really really early on in the game um and and i don't necessarily want to give anything away and even though it's week one of game club that this would apply to like still it's like it's a big epic moment so i don't want to spoil anything but like the scale of the game is so big around you that it's kind of like awe-inspiring and humbling in a way like it just the world feels big in a way that some games sometimes struggle with like it doesn't feel big like breath of the wild big where there's just a lot of space it feels very full and large do you know what i mean do you know what i'm trying to get at like you don't feel like the center of the universe does that make sense that makes perfect sense (laughs) but it's very epic and not epic tied to your character yeah and and like previous god of war games like kratos made sure and the developers made sure that you knew kratos was the center of this universe and that is a very well you know put point in the sense that this soft reboot as we've been calling it in the discord um it feels like this is a fish out of water experience where this is 
clearly not where Kratos is from. Like he's from he's from Greece. He's from Sparta. Uh, obviously, events that took place in the previous four games uh, made it so he had to leave and and find solace in a whole other realm. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm missing. I have no idea what the hell is going on. (laughs) Like they just kind of like dropped you in and, and it is very like, there's basically like no start menu, no like um, opening credits or anything. It's just like you, you kind of load into the game and it looks like it's about to be the start of a cutscene, and then you realize you have to push a button to start cutting down the tree. Like it's so seamlessly well done. I very much enjoyed that. But at the same time, I was like, wait, who am I? Who's my wife? What's going on? Why are we here? Like I felt so disoriented in terms of what was actually happening. And I understood, like, <coughs> excuse me, sorry like uh, some little bits in terms of um, like, I think Odin was name dropped and I was like, okay, like (laughs) I know who Odin is. There's a, there's a point of reference, but other than that, I am so confused. (laughs) So they did kind of like, so the, the lore of the previous games, it's not a full like restart. All of those events of his life still happened and we're picking up his story. Yeah. Is that it, correct? <laughs> that is correct. Like, like here's okay. the thing. I think, um, obviously, there are moments in this game that directly call back to uh, his journey in the previous games. But but it's a it's not like a direct connection to specific moments. It's just acknowledging that he went through a lot in that previous trilogy. Like, he killed all the gods, the entire pantheon. And that is something that is explained, you know, down the road uh, in this game. But again, like, I think that the, the the soft reboot does itself a little bit of a disservice by not trying to explain the past games, because like, you really, you might, like, I, I remember when I first played it, like, even I was vague on the original games, because it'd been so long since I played them. And I realized like what they were doing from a development standpoint, they were saying basically like, you don't need to have played all of the other games to kind of get what's going on here because also the players that played those games don't know what's going on. They know who Kratos is. And I think that's what the developers are banking on that, you know, people will know. Yeah. See, like I had no idea. I was like, am I a God? Am I not? I guess I'm the God of war, but also the God of war in Greece was Ares. So, yeah, and, like, and yeah, like who is who here? Who am I? What is happening? It very much felt like I woke up with amnesia, but my character didn't. <laughs> if that makes sense, <laughs> you know, that, that makes sense. I mean, uh, I'm I'm full. I will take full responsibility. I almost feel like this is my fault because I'm supposed to be sort of guiding this game club, and um, we do have a few folks who haven't played the previous games, and I'll say like just in this third week that we're in our discussion here, I finally got around. You know what? Like, I think I, I think I need to like post like, um, IGN does these videos usually when a new game comes out, like God of War story in five minutes or something in it. And it basically summarizes everything that happened previous to God of War 2018. Um, and I did post that video in, in the third. Okay. I need to go back and watch that. Then (laughs) I'm going to put it in the game club channel this way you don't have to wait into spoilers and i think but again like i think you'll understand and maybe i'm wrong but obviously you're not going to watch it now but 
I, when you do watch it, let me know. Like, I think when you watch it, you're like, okay, I understand that Kratos killed a bunch of gods in Greece. Um, you know, some, someone was his father. And again, I don't know why I'm, you know, trying to, uh, (laughs) (laughs) keep spoilers from 10 year old games. Yeah. Like Zeus is (laughs) his father. He kills Ares. That's why he's the God of war. Everyone's father. Zeus is a whore. (laughs) (laughs) That is the, that is, that is the story of all these, uh, all these uh, uh, things. And, and here's the, here's the thing. Like, I think if you watch that video, you'll better understand like the, um, the beats that do come up that do that direct callback. There are like three or four moments in this game where it's a direct callback. But for the most part, 90% of this game is focusing on this, this specific journey. Like we don't know, you know, we don't know as players who, uh, Faye is, which is, um, Atreus's mother, uh, Kratos's wife. We don't know who she is. Like we're, we're all on the same page there at the very beginning. We don't know who Atreus oh, okay. is. Okay. The only thing that I assumed was like Faye reminds me of like Irish folklore. And I was like, maybe she's just a totally other like Ireland is close ish. They're like Celtic area is kind of close to Norse ishness. Yeah. <laughs> like they're yep. both like Northern Europe, right? Like I just kind of assumed they were referring to Celtic lore. <laughs> but like oh Yeah. And and again, like it's they do. So th- here's the other thing. Like we talk about, you know, the Norse mythology in this game. Um, that was another thing that's come up in our game club discussions and how if you know a lot about Norse mythology or even an, like for me, I come at it from uh, obviously I knew before Marvel, like, you know, the Thor, the Odin, the Loki. But that was about mm-hmm. it. But then you get into Marvel and you you start to get more of an understand a little bit more of an understanding. But even then they don't really like they just borrow the character names and tell their own story with like some shared, you know, worlds and stuff. But I think like in this game, they really lean on the mythology, but they flip the script in that they make the Asgardians, the bad guys and everybody else, the good guys for the most part. Yeah. I definitely got the, the vibe that we did not like Odin, (laughs) that he was, he was the bad guy for sure. And especially when you have to like, go around looking for all of his little green watcher mm-hmm. like ravens is one of the collectibles is destroying them i was like yeah we don't like odin and his his view of the world <laughs> or like his ability to see the world i guess <laughs> yeah and it was even it's so funny like um i was listening we were listening to a, a kids podcast it was like a kids story podcast and it was it was thor and uh, norse mythology and again like the frost giants were the bad guys, similar to how in Marvel and Thor and mm-hmm. all of his buddies were the good guys. And in this game, again, it 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 uses that Norse mythology, which is is done a lot, um, but flips the script and, and makes the Asgardians bad and everybody else like, you know, some of them, are, some of the other folks are bad, like, but neutral to good. But like, mm-hmm. really, like Odin and his folks are bad. Um in this game. But like I said, if you know Norse mythology, you can kind of see because it like plays so closely to that Norse mythology in this game. If you have a really good understanding, you kind of spoil yourself a little bit Mm. when certain characters pop up and um, hints are dropped. So again, like the developers really leaned into Norse mythology in their research and setting up of this world to the point where which could be good and bad (laughs) yeah and again like for me i I didn't have that deeper understanding um so there was a lot of stuff that went over my head until like 
legit the happened. And it actually felt like a big reveal to you. Yeah. Whereas other folks are like, no, I saw that coming a mile away because of X, Y, Z. And that's again, like we do have some folks who are really into Norse mythology that have discussed this in our threads where it's like, yeah, I, I, I saw that coming a mile away. And they will often spoiler tag. Like I find it again, spoiler tagging Norse mythology <laughs> in our threads is like, I really do appreciate it because it, I've already played the game. So I know, but for other folks who might uh, be playing for the first time and don't have a deeper understanding of that Norse mythology might be appreciative that you're spoiler tagging something that is thousands, thousands of years of, old. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, amazing. You know, it just goes to show that we have like, literally the best community and yes very 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 thoughtful people so so yeah i mean and i and i don't want to stick it we do have other stuff to talk about this week so i don't want to stick on god of war too long uh if you do want to join the conversation and see the rest of my thoughts as i go through my first playthrough of god of war 2018 do go ahead into the game club you don't even have to be playing god of war 2018 if you just want to follow along with the conversation if you've played it in the past and you just want to see our thoughts all of that stuff is over in our discord and you can find that at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Um, we also... <laughs> okay, so guys, we tried the new Ghostbusters game, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. And uh, so it seems like there is a single-player campaign, which we didn't really get into. Like, Ryan and I both kind of did tutorial, and then we jumped straight into uh, multiplayer. Uh, the... UI, I think, leaves a lot to be desired because it was not very clear what exactly it was that we were doing. <laughs> and uh, like we we wanted to kind of we wanted to play together. We knew that. So that was pretty easy. Like I just kind of went to the phone, called Ryan up, invited him to my game. Done. But then you have to go on jobs. And if you pick your map, it doesn't put you in with other people. It puts you in with bots, which was fine as like a tutorial learning experience kind of thing. Um, But it was really unclear how you actually got to play with other people. Yeah. And And I honestly think that we weren't getting any XP from the AI matches. Um, It was it was hard to tell. And again, it was hard to tell. Like there's there's a lot about this game. Like it just launched today. I think today is literally the first day that everyone can play it. Um, And uh it's yeah it's there's something about the ui where i think they're going to tweak that post-launch and and surface more information but um it was really tough to determine like okay what is the difference between choosing the map and playing with i i guess it would be like custom matches playing with just friends and then like quick play which is like opening up to you said you had an option either to play uh cross play or not cross play right like we were playing crossplay, and yeah, we we played crossplay because I thought we'd just get matches faster, and I don't really care what platform people are playing on. Like this isn't any sort of competitive anything, right? Like so, it crossplay, whatever. Um, and it actually showed the platform, which was kind of cool. So like next to the player names, there was either like a little laptop icon if they were PC, or there was um like the Xbox logo, the PlayStation logo. So it made it very clear what platforms people were on, which was kind of cool. And there is voice chat. Um, So before we went into multiplayer, there are options to both mute yourself as well as mute all other players. So I immediately did that because Ryan and I were on Discord. I was like, I don't need to hear randos. (laughs) Not a a feature (laughs) of the games that I like. Like, I really wish that they just wouldn't put voice chat in games. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you did have the option to turn that off. So we did that immediately, but, 
um, when you're actually like queuing in, you go to find job and then it just says quick play or choose your map. And or I can't I can't remember if choose your map was how they phrased it, but that's essentially what it is. Um, but there's no kind of indication that you're going to go in to a friend's game or a an online play game. And then so when you go into quick match, it does give you the option to choose your role or your preferred role, as well as choosing your, um, yeah, cross play or not. That was the other option. So anyways, uh, choosing your preferred role <laughs> ended up giving us a pretty huge bug. Um, so I think uh, we chose our preferred role as Ghostbusters mm-hmm. uh, because we hadn't actually played as the ghost yet. And I'm fairly certain you have to play either a few matches or you have to progress the 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 game, the, the single player story further because I did remember going through the tutorial and it gave me like a warning about that. It basically said like, you can't jump in and play as a ghost right away. Um, and so when we went into the quick play, our first lobby was fine, but then, okay, my biggest pet peeve has been how quickly the like post game street post game screen goes away. You get about 10 seconds. It might even be less. There are three screens. So there's kind of like a highlight screen that shows you like, who did the most stuff. So it's like most rifts closed, most ghosts tethered, uh, most mushrooms found, which we still don't know what that means. Um, I'm going to Google it right now. Okay. Uh, (laughs) And so it gives you kind of those highlights. Then there's another one, uh, another screen (laughs) that is like your personal stats from the match. Then there's a third screen which shows how everybody did. So how the ghost did, how you did in all these different categories. There's all these different, all this different XP and stuff. And you have less than 10 seconds to take in all three of those screens before it puts you into a new match. And so I have no idea. Like I managed to scroll to the third screen in our last match I got like 2,000 points. Most of the people on our team got 2,000 XP, give or take. The ghost got 13,000. And Ryan, for some reason, got 28,000 XP. And no one knows why. I was just running around collecting fungi. That's what I was doing. (laughs) Well, like, so the screen goes away so quickly that I had no chance to learn anything about the game. I was just like, all I knew was that I got basically no points. Ryan got a whole ton of points and I couldn't figure out why. And then we got back into like the main thing and I was level like five or six and Ryan's like level 12. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. We've played exactly the same amount of time. I actually played more than Ryan because I played the tutorial. So like, <laughs> I don't understand why he has like double my level right now. It was so frustrating. And like those score screens when you're doing a multiplayer game, like there's a lot of information there that tells you like what your goals are and how you're supposed to play when you're a brand new player. I do not know. Like I understand wanting to get people into the next match quickly, but you queue up with that same group of people. It's like Splatoon. Like you get five people together and it'll just keep putting you in a lobby and rotating you through roles until you quit. And then it just fills in with another person. So it, and even in the middle of the game, like we had a glitched game where I'm pretty sure the game tried to make me the ghost 
then it realized I hadn't progressed far enough to actually play as the ghost. So it made me a ghost buster, but it spawned me in the middle of the map. And I was like, why am I in the middle of the map? And everyone else comes through the front door. What's going on? Um, and then we were running around for 18 and a half minutes because we just had to wait for the passive haunting level to hit a hundred percent. We should because have quit, there was honestly. no we should have quit, but I had no idea if it was a glitch or if it was like someone playing as the ghost just evading us really well. Like we had, didn't have enough experience to know that that lobby was bugged. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was very, very, very frustrating uh, and such a huge waste of time. And it did feel like the kind of thing that they should have caught ahead of time. Like instead of flagging yourself as like preferring Ghostbuster, because I'm sure you can set it to like prefer Ghostbuster, prefer Ghost or don't care. Right. Those would be the options I assume you have. So, like, if you get people that say they want to be Ghostbusters, just leave them as Ghostbusters. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it should be a little bit more, like, set. Like, when you choose your role in Dead by Daylight, you're a survivor or a killer, not either or. Like, you mm -hmm. fill one role, and that's what you do. And if you want to do the other role, you queue as the other role. That is the same way it's worked in every single asymmetrical multiplayer game I've ever played. And it seemed like um, putting that kind of like ambiguity into the role has caused a pretty significant bug. <laughs> yeah, that we struggle with that one. And I think it highlighted some of the issues we had with the working games as well. In that like the mechanics of a match is that four Ghostbusters enter this building that is haunted. There's one ghost that is haunting the building, but, and, and there's a meter that builds up and I, I, we didn't play as the ghost, but I assume what's happening is the ghost is trying to get that meter to a hundred percent by they're scaring civilians or civilians, NPCs in the building that you have to <laughs> talk that to. You have to calm down. Yeah. yeah. And there's like a little uh, mini game where you have to time uh, the button pushes within uh, it's sort of like active reload a little bit where you have to hit, like if you hit the blue, you get 25%. If you hit the green, you get 50%. And I think as the match progresses, like the more scared the NPCs get, the harder it is to get like the higher bonus. But uh, we did learn that you have to like constantly be supporting the NPCs because it shields them from the ghosts freaking them out. So mm -hmm. you are encouraged. Yeah, and to I do think it. the more the more NPCs get freaked out, the faster that meter goes up. Yeah. And I think there's other things that they can do. Like we saw like objects getting haunted and like floating around and stuff and i'm sure that probably increases the the haunting meter um there were times when our like either ourselves or our teammates would get like knocked down or slimed by the ghost and then we'd have to go pick them up again um and i'm sure that also increases the haunting and everything else so like there are objectives for the ghost to do and then there's objectives for the ghost busters so Ghostbusters have to go around the map, try to find three rifts that are hidden in objects. And then once you've closed all three rifts, then you have to capture the ghost. And mm. the mechanics of those things from the Ghostbuster side, and I don't know how it works from the ghost side, but from the Ghostbuster side, they were not smooth. We found that we were running around for quite a long time 
trying to find the rifts. And so I don't know if like, because if you have that like the EMF detector thing that Ghostbusters use with the two swooshy things on the side, like the two little antenna looking things. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, you have one of those detectors that you're like going around. It has a big red X on it when you're not close enough to the ghost or a rift. But you have to get really, really close to a rift for it to start sensing it. And I feel like maybe they need to play with that range because I felt like there were, even in our AI matches, like we were wandering around for a really, really, really long time just completely unable to find the rifts. Yeah. And in the end, like, especially when we were in our AI bot matches, like the bots would just go and find the rifts. It was like they gave up on us actually being able to do it. <laughs> so like it was it was really kind of like difficult and frustrating and it just like wasn't a fun mechanic. And I don't know, um, like, because obviously uh, I, and I'm probably going to draw a lot of comparisons to Dead by Daylight because obviously I've played a lot of that game. But like when you're a survivor in Dead by Daylight, you don't know where the generators are, but there are pretty obvious lights that you can see from pretty far away. So it gives you a little bit of a hint. Like there are no hints in this game, really. Like you have to get pretty close before that detector goes off. The detector doesn't work if you're sprinting. So you have to walk slowly <laughs> and then... Like, I think, and again, we didn't play as the ghost, so I'm not sure, but the one rift that I was able to find in a match where the ghost demolished us in like a minute and a half um, was, it was like up in the rafters and I couldn't find it for the, like my detector was telling me I was standing right on top of it, but I couldn't find it. And it was like up in the rafters over top of a bar. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that that's not where that object is supposed to spawn. Like the ghost must be able to like move them and hide them and stuff. So yeah, like, I don't know. It just um, wasn't a really fun gameplay loop. And then once you actually got to the point of capturing the ghost, I didn't think that that was the most fun mechanic either. And maybe it just involves more coordination from our team. I don't know, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, um... I think the the gameplay of uh you so of using the um the blaster to sort of tether the ghost. So you have to like aim your blaster at the ghost, you know, have a concentrated fire for a little bit before the tether activates. You have to remember to throw your trap first because if you try to throw your trap while you're tethered, um that's going to interrupt the tether and you have to start all over again. And by then the ghost is has left because he he you know, the ghost has realized like, "Oh, I'm I'm in danger." Um, so there is coordination that is involved. And I think like where we were struggling is like, we, we were just learning the mechanics. Everyone was learning the mechanics. And, and I think we had a, like all multiplayer games online, we had like a wild varying degree of, of playing. Like, I think our first online match was probably the closest we had to being very balanced, um, you know, fun experience. The first couple where we lost the first one and we won the second one, but it felt balanced. And mm -hmm. then we did, we had the bug match and then we had the match where the ghost absolutely destroyed us. And, but yeah, the mechanics of capturing the ghost, like you have to, so the ghost will try to interrupt you and, and haunt you as you're, you're looking for the rifts and generally try to, I think, distract you. 
and they, the ghost has a lot of tools. It seems to, to do that, especially like sliming you is a big thing. And you have to like, if you, you can get slimed enough that you go down and then you have to hold the B button or wait for, uh, uh, someone to revive you. Um, but like you can capture the ghosts while the rifts are open, but while the rifts are open, the ghost is just going to respawn. Yeah. The rifts are just a respawn point. Right. So unless you close all three of them, like it's like yeah. they have infinite lives. <laughs> yeah. But it felt like the ghost was coming back very quickly. Yeah. Um, so you'd capture the ghost and clearly the player that was playing the ghost, the reason it was so easy to capture them is because they didn't, it didn't seem like they cared about being captured. Yeah, there was no penalty. It. I mean, the uh, most of the penalty would be that you would respawn at a rift, and so that wouldn't necessarily like be where you wanted to be in the map. But the ghosts also seemed to move really quickly, and they could go through walls, so it didn't like map relocation didn't really seem like a penalty. <laughs> yeah, and by the end of the match, if you destroy all the rifts, um, you are then if you capture the ghosts, you win. Um, and I found like it got significantly harder, but I think once you destroy all the rifts, the idea is, and we were talking about this while we were playing is like, well, it might be easier if we all, you know, huddled together and just found the ghost ourselves. But the maps are so big that if the ghost just stays away from us at the end, they just, they win. Well, yeah, that was like, other than the really good ghost that totally destroyed us really yes. quickly, the other ghost that beat us just ran away. For yeah. like, like we destroyed the three rifts and then we had probably three to five minutes of gameplay where the ghost just ran away. Yeah, and there's <laughs> no like, penalty that yeah, we could Yeah, there's no tell. penalty. There's no way. Like they basically just have to wait out the clock. And, uh, and that wasn't really, again, because they can go faster than you can, because they can go through walls and you can't. Like it just got to the point where it really felt like the mechanic or like the best strategy was to just run away and again that was another really not great uh gameplay loop it felt like so um i don't know i feel like there's maybe some balance issues with the matchmaking and like but what i will say is that um in terms of like the atmosphere and the visuals and the sound effects and stuff is they did a really good job of like replicating Ghostbusters like the your proton pack is there and it has like the beam is all wibbly wobbly which is not great as a game mechanic but looks really cool and <laughs> really kind of channels the the chaos that was Ghostbusters right uh so they they do a good job of bringing that atmosphere and that flavor to the game. But I just think the underlying mechanics of the game aren't that great, which is really unfortunate because it feels like they had the bones of a really good game here in terms of their subject matter and their IP, but they just couldn't nail the mechanics and it's really too bad. Yeah. But, you know, I'll say this, like uh, I'll echo your note that like they really nail like the Ghostbusters vibe, like the music, they got the voice actors. Character back. customization is balls, though. <laughs> it's <laughs> <Yeah>. so bad. <laughs> okay, yeah. The character customization leaves a lot to be desired, but honestly, like, um, you unlock cosmetics as you're playing through and leveling up, and and even those, I think, uh, I, I, so far, I think the best options are are given to you up front, which is which is not great. 
Um, but yeah, like they, they nail the voice acting for the, for the characters from Ghostbusters. So you've got Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson back. I mean, I'm trying to stay on a positive note here, but like, <laughs> I remember when we started playing, when you talk to the NPCs, it's like, oh, this is fun dialogue. And then as you go <laughs> and you continue to talk to the civilians to calm them down, you realize there are like, there's, so there's 10 voices to choose from, but they all recorded the same lines. So I'd be hearing Jocelyn run around talking to NPCs. And then I'd hear the same line from her that I heard not too long ago from me, um, just a different voice. And it's like, there's there's not enough of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there were three, maybe four voice lines that all of the different voices recorded. And those just basically get repeated by every single character in the game. So like, if you're going around the map and like, consoling civilians which is one of your main mechanics as a ghostbuster because basically like if you calm them down to a certain level then the ghost can't scare them and they also act like almost like sentries around the map so they'll like yell at you and you'll get a big notification when the ghost goes by those calmed civilians because they're like hey he's over here and it helps you navigate the map, right? Because then you can follow the path of the ghost a little bit better. You don't have to be staring at your stupid little EMF detector the whole time. So, like, it's it's a pretty important mechanic. And for a really important mechanic like that to be tied to, like, three or four voice lines, like, I heard myself say the same thing probably 10 or 15 times and then repeat that for three or four voice lines, like, in the course of one match. So I'm just like, if I am always saying these voice lines, like I was sick of it after four matches tonight. So I'm like, I would never make this my core game for that reason alone, because I would annoy the shit out of myself trying to do the main mechanic of, uh, or not the main mechanic, but a, a very important mechanic of playing on the Ghostbuster side of things. Like... And I can only imagine being the ghost (laughs) (laughs) moving through the map and just hearing all these Ghostbusters say the same freaking things over and over and over again. That also can't be fun. So at least the ghosts don't talk. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But I mean, that being said, like all the Ghostbusters stuff they bring forward, the look of the firehouse, the look of all the equipment, um, you know, you have the firehouse connected to Ray's store that they introduced in... um, in the good Ghostbusters. The, the good follow-up Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, we liked, it sounds like <laughs> we both liked. The good modern Ghostbusters, I guess. I can't remember what it was called now. But yeah, the one that just came out in the last couple of years. It was Ghostbusters really good. Afterlife. Crofton supposedly yeah. hated it and he started a whole Twitter thread and I didn't engage with it because it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it. I thought I it was really a liked fun it too. Time. Yeah. I just think he needs to go back to the 80s and watch Ghostbusters again. But uh <laughs> You know, it is what it is. Um, but but here's the thing. Like, I think that all of the concerns that we've shared here, which are very real concerns, like there's there are problems with this game. And I think like literally walking around with a PKE meter looking for signs of ghosts and the rifts, that is, in my opinion, probably the worst part in that, like, it is a major core mechanic, but it can be very boring because they are larger maps and you're not like you said, increase the range give me a better direction of where I'm going. And I think that goes a long way. And again, like that sort of stuff, like I'm not a a developer, but it feels like that's something that can be worked on over time, balanced and addressed through patches um, Mm -hmm. as they get this type of feedback from players and from from testers and, and whatnot. So like, I think there's more that can be done to tweak the gameplay, but um 
as you said, like I think tighten up that stuff. Um, I think maybe maybe like we just started playing, so maybe our <laughs> tethering is not that great because I felt like as soon as I got a hold of the ghost, the ghost would get away. But I think that's where teamwork comes in, and and um, mm. I think when we succeeded, it was when multiple Ghostbusters were trying to capture the ghost and coordinating with the trap and and stuff like that. But I but I still felt like when I was tethering the ghost, I I couldn't control it. Like I couldn't yeah. direct the ghost to where I wanted to go, and um, that was really frustrating. Uh, so yeah, like again, it could be a mixture of like you just early days but also just getting used to the game but my my favorite thing about it is the fact that they just they nail that ghostbusters feel and i really hope that they you know stick with it and and uh you know update it and address some of those concerns i think like you said the pke meter stuff like that walking around is the is the biggest you know the biggest issue and in terms of the mushrooms i did look it up when you when you collect the fungi they grant you uh bonus player xp so that's probably why ah. i got so much xp because <laughs> i was collect every time i saw one i'd pick them up and then if you collect enough of them over the course of your career of fungi collecting uh you <laughs> unlock a unique hat so there you go jocelyn a, a cosmetic it just feel like well, <laughs> okay Okay. I mean, maybe I just don't know my Ghostbusters lore enough, but like, what do mushrooms have to do with anything? Doesn't the second one... No, that's ooze. Is it? No. Yeah. There's pink goo yeah. <laughs> everywhere. I remember that one. Yeah. But yeah, I don't ever remember them like picking up mushrooms and being like, it's the key to everything. Huzzah, I've learned so much. Maybe ghosts... <laughs> make the mushroom and that's the other thing i thought oh i'm supposed to be collecting these again this is not the game's fault i feel like this is our fault we <laughs> have not played the entire tutorial like i said there is like i played the tutorial it didn't say anything about mushrooms okay well <laughs> i haven't finished the single player campaign but i've played the tutorial <laughs> well maybe we just haven't done <laughs> the mushroom level uh, maybe you know, maybe we need to go to the mushroom kingdom jocelyn maybe that's what we need mm. Well, before we talk too much about that, I do want to remind everybody that we have a lot of Extra Life stuff coming up. It is Extra Life season now. If you go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022, Ryan did, in fact, get that URL. So it wasn't that some was other random person that totally stole it and made me make a new one that I don't even remember what it was now. But yeah, so bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022 will send you to our team page. You can donate to anybody on the team. Uh, we've already had a lot of people doing streams. It's been awesome. Our game day is at the start of November. So do pay attention for more announcements around that. But uh, Ryan, you guys are you guys are actually doing something this Friday, right? Yeah. And it it is uh, it is Tuesday right now. And which reminds me, I need to do some more promotion for this. But we are doing an event Friday. Uh, we're bringing back event dads. We're not playing Avengers. That game is... Uh, is not on our radar anymore <laughs> but we kept the name uh from that event that we did last year so we're doing event ads and i was trying to find a way to figure out a way to like how do i rope sea of thieves into age of ultron <laughs> and that's why i went with age of megalodon for event nice. ads. and uh so we're gonna be playing sea of thieves uh myself uh crofton uh my co-host on dungeons and diapers um and travis and whirlwind are going to be playing uh sea of thieves this friday october 21st at 8 p.m eastern 
And you can watch uh, my gameplay as well as Travis's gameplay at tiny.cc slash watch event ads. And uh, of course, donate bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022. That link does go to our page. It does not go to some random <laughs> thing <laughs> Jocelyn was afraid to click on. But, <laughs> you know, I said, why didn't you test it? It's like, well, I'm not going to enter a random URL. And it's like, well. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that makes sense. But. That is Internet Safety 101. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also wanted to thank everybody who is supporting us over at Patreon.com slash The Gamers In, including our October patron, Ginny. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Again, if you do like what Ryan and I do here at The Gamers In, head on over to Patreon.com slash The Gamers In. Uh, that brings us to the news this week. And as Ryan alluded to, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mario movie because what is that voice? <laughs> That's Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I was trying so hard to remain, like, neutral and just hear what, they were going to present. Uh, Nintendo seemed to be pretty happy with it. And I was like, if anyone knows Mario, it's Nintendo, right? It's their property. If they're happy with the voice performance, maybe it's, oh, no. And like, it wasn't bad. And I'm kind of glad that they didn't try to do some like fake borderline racist Italian accent. Like, you know, they, they could have done something truly horrible there. <laughs> but um, yeah, they didn't they didn't do that. But basically, we just got Chris Pratt's voice coming out of Mario's mouth. And that was, I don't know, just as bad. <laughs> not from a social standpoint, obviously, but from like a, a not aesthetically pleasing because it's for audio pleasing. I don't know, Ryan, my words are gone. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> the I mean, thing that makes it nice for your ear holes. They, this is not that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you went back to the well for to finish that thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I, I we we talked about this last week, uh, Manny and I. Uh, and the reason I brought the trailer back is I did want to get Jocelyn's take. And I, and I think going into the trailer when they first announced, oh, probably a year ago, that Chris Pratt was going to play Mario, a lot of people jumped to the side of like, well, Chris Pratt is doing a lot of uh, stuff and uh, he's in a lot of stuff. And and I think people want to, you know, they wanted, they wanted someone different. I don't know if they wanted, a lot of people are saying they wanted, uh, you know, the original voice actor, Charles yeah. Martin to come back. And I think like that would work if you were doing the near silent protagonist. Um, but clearly from this trailer, they are giving everyone a voice and that is the direction they're going. So they, they needed someone that was going to, provide a full voice to Mario. And I, and I don't think that was going to be Charles Martinet, but. um, I will say I liked all the other choices. I yeah. loved Bowser. I love, oh my God, the penguins. I uh, The penguins are so amazing. They stole that scene. But then like the, uh, and Toad, Toad, he was great too. But yep. like, man. <laughs> and I, I'll say, too, I'm also a little bit worried because we got all of five words out of Chris Pratt. Like, we got very, like, we got a lot out of Toad. We got a lot out of Bowser. And they're, like, central, iconic characters. Not to say penguins aren't, but, you know, like, when you think Mario, you think Bowser, you think Toad, right? And so we got kind of extensive looks at them. And then we got... Mario kind of falling out of a tube, fine. 
And yeah. then like <laughs> then this like big swelling background music slash noise, which was so loud <laughs> and so like out of place. You got five words out of Mario that sounded like Chris Pratt. And then Chris Pratt remembered he was supposed to be doing a character voice, but then he forgot again somehow in the span of five words. Because <laughs> like Mushroom Kingdom sounded so funny, but everything else sounded like Chris Pratt. And I'm just like, I don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would I was also kind of worried that we didn't see like even even 20 seconds of like mario dialogue right yeah did well, that worry you guys at all sorry i didn't listen to last week's show uh, don't hate me no it's all good uh here's the thing i think that this is a teaser trailer it's labeled a teaser trailer but i think they gave they like they but they like, gave so much bowser i know and so this much is, bowser. that's the thing <laughs> i i think they gave enough of the other characters um to ease people's worries for those characters like bowser jack black fantastic the penguin guy uh king ezekiel from uh walking dead great job you you do not yield but you know didn't matter anyways um but then you get to toad and that's great even luigi like charlie day like that is exactly what we needed to see from luigi uh charlie day to be like yes great great casting you did a great job but I think with Mario, they just didn't give us enough. And I, and it continued this like unease on the internet of like, oh man, I can't believe Chris Pratt's going to be Mario. I'm so worried. And it's like, I still think like, you know, it's not going to ruin the movie. This trailer, I, for me at least, was like, this movie's going to be amazing. And it looked really good. And like yeah. I said, the other voice performances that we saw were really well done. And it might be enough to carry the movie. I'm just not convinced on Chris Pratt. And I was really hoping that once we actually saw a trailer and, you know, I, can you even label something as a teaser trailer when it's a minute and a half long? Like <laughs> this is a two minute a trailer. trailer. Yeah. That's just a trailer. It, it is. Yeah. But, but in <laughs> so, the sense that like, it feels like it feels like it, it feels like a teaser for what we, what we were expecting, which was to be... It's two minutes in the movie. It's just a trailer. <laughs> it, okay, it's a trailer. You're right. But I think the way like, it's structured is just it feels like we need to see more of Mario. And, you know, we didn't see any Peach, no Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, that stuff is still to be to be seen. But again, if you... if Nin I don't know if Nintendo pays attention to the internet. But if they were to, <laughs> um, you they would have noticed that people were a little worried about Chris Pratt voicing Mario. And I think all of the um, they interviews... They did nothing to alleviate that. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. And I think that makes the wait for another trailer uh, going to be a long wait. The movie comes out in April, so we do have some time, like six months before it comes out. But there will be a lot of marketing material before this movie comes out, and you'll be able yeah. to hear plenty of Chris Pratt. And I'm going to... Just, for better or worse. <laughs> and this is the thing. Tuck in, folks. It's going to be Chris Pratt as Mario. And I think the sooner we accept it and just. Yeah, like they're not going to change it now. No. They're not going to totally redo the movie like this is happening. Yeah. So, you know, either you get on board with Chris Pratt or you don't see the Mario movie. <laughs> yeah, because I don't. Uh, Nintendo won't won't change. Which, like, honestly, uh, and, and this opinion may change when we when we see another trailer. But um this is probably going to be a rent it 
movie for me. Like this is, I don't go to theaters very often anymore anyways, but um, like, it's not something I'm going to go out of my way to see right away. Like I'm going to get it on, you know, I was going to say Disney plus, but it's not a Disney movie, (laughs) you know, like a a Crave or like Amazon prime movies or something like, I don't know. I'm going to get it somewhere. That's like, I'm just going to stream it at home. I'm not going to, you know, like, and if that doesn't happen for months after release, then I'm not going to see this for months. Like, but I haven't been sold yet on the fact that it's worth me like day one going out and, and making sure I can see this film. So yeah, I we'll think a see, lot but... a lot has changed for for theater movies. And I mean, like, what's what's a movie that brings you to the theaters? Like, what's the next movie you're looking forward to that you want to go see in theaters? Right. Like, I don't even know. I mean, normally I would say the Marvel movies, but even those like I've been content to watch them at home. So I'm not even sure. And, and I don't even see that many trailers anymore because I don't really watch like traditional television at all. So <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even know what's coming out, but usually like. Things with big epic scenery, I usually like to go see uh, in the theater because I think it just does it more justice on a big screen, right? But yeah. Anyways, yeah, maybe maybe not the Mario movie, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe my mind will change when we see more trailers. And I just I think that uh, Nintendo made a bit of a mistake. And I think if they really believed in Chris Pratt's performance, then we would have seen more Mario dialogue. But uh, but I did think that the the Bowser spotlight was really good. Um, I think that Jack Black did an awesome job. So. Like, like conflicting emotions, right? Like mm-hmm. this amazing performance of Bowser off the top. And then like they end on that Mario note. And I'm just like, man, oof, that was a choice, Nintendo. That was definitely a choice. <laughs> we need to see and hear more, I think, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and speaking of hearing more, uh, we do have another story this week uh, that actually is from this week. <laughs> And uh, it's it's not uh, not too oh man it's just it's such a controversial story but uh, so Bayonetta is coming Bayonetta three is coming out and the original Bayonetta voice actress has urged fans to boycott the third game because of the way that the studio treated her and the insulting level of pay specifically. So, uh, the, and I, I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> as I owed it, Helen oh, Taylor, yeah. uh, put out a video basically saying, uh, like stating all of her qualifications, how she worked on the first two Bayonetta games. She's the voice of Bayonetta. Um, and, but she wasn't returning. And at first the internet was like, oh no, why? What happened? And so Jennifer Hale is going to be the voice of Bayonetta in Bayonetta 3. Um, and so Helena Taylor says that's because she was offered $4,000 to do the Bayonetta performance, which like when I first saw that number, I was like, no way. <laughs> And I will admit, I know nothing about how much people are paid to be voice actors. Nothing at all. <laughs> but when I look at a at a video game franchise, I assume that the actors behind it are getting paid shit tons of money because video games make so much money. <laughs> so I just assumed that if you were 
you know, a, a Jennifer Hale, for example, because she is super prolific. So Jennifer Hale is is command is Femshep, um, as well as many, 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 many other characters. She's very, very talented. Um, and so I just assumed that like if you were Jennifer Hale, that was the equivalent of being like Chris Pratt in a movie, right? Like I assumed they get paid like tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, to voice these iconic characters. Because if you look at the money that video games make, it's so much more than TV and movies. So I just assumed salaries on the other end were equivalent, but apparently not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I think I think we hear a lot about what voice actors are paid for for being in a movie. You hear a lot about like, you know, salary and 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 what actors make in those projects. But it's a little different, and I think there it's a different it's a completely different uh, union, from what I understand. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I, I like you. I don't have a like a very deep understanding of this, and we're learning a lot this week as as the story unfolds. I think everybody is yeah um I think that there's a lot of information that's kind of coming out after her video talking about how much she was uh she was going to be paid or she was offered to be paid and so it's also this story is very kind of interesting and controversial as well because so Jennifer Hale put out a statement because as the internet does the internet kind of took the the original video from Helena Taylor and ran with it and ran with it straight to Jennifer Hale and said, you're horrible. How could you allow this to happen? How could you work on this project and just attacked her? Which, come on, internet. Like, I know we're not above this because we've proven time and time again we're not above this. But can we please just be above this kind of behavior? Like, it's just awful and horrible and there is no reason for it so anyways jennifer hale put out a statement that basically said i'm part of the project i'm under an nda i can't say anything but i hope that my um like my my resume and my reputation kind of speaks for itself and you know like (laughs) i i believe in the games and i think that the devs did a great job basically um was her original statement and uh, since then, I guess the the kind of like breaking news update today is that it seems like potentially the original uh, kind of viral video from Helena Taylor might not have been the actual truth. So it seems like they offered her three to four thousand dollars, but it was per session, which I guess is a decent rate <laughs> uh, for at least five sessions. So overall, she would have been between like fifteen and twenty thousand dollars, which I still think is like missing some zeros <laughs> personally um, in terms of working on a franchise as big as Bayonetta. Um, but apparently people familiar with the deal said that she went back to the company and said, hey, I would rather have a six-figure fee and residuals from the game. And they didn't want to pay that. Um, Not that I don't think they couldn't pay it. They could pay it because it's a huge franchise. I think in her video, Helena Taylor said that um, Bayonetta has made over $400 million. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, they've got the money to pay her a six-figure fee um, and and residuals on the game, but they didn't want to. So, um, as you can tell, like, that's that's a pretty big difference. And so the negotiations fell apart and Taylor 
kind of publicized what she was offered, but mischaracterized the offer a little bit and said just $4,000, which is, you know, lower than if you had talked about that, you know, on a per session basis. So a little bit disingenuous, a little misleading. Um, But again, like, so that's been the kind of like insider story is that there were negotiations, they were too far apart. So Taylor wasn't rehired. Uh, whereas, you know, Taylor is really sticking to her guns and saying that she, that that's not true, that negotiations, she didn't ask for that negotiations didn't fall apart. They basically just said $4,000 and she said no. So it's a complicated story. There's, you know, many different sides of this because of NDA stuff. We're probably never really going to know exactly what was going on here. Um, it's a very kind of behind closed doors. He said, she said sort of thing. And it's a salary negotiation. So they're never going to come forward. Like Nintendo's never going to come forward and, and you know, like show the receipts. <laughs> but uh, it's no reason to go and attack Jennifer Hale at all. No. Yeah, no, definitely not. And I think that uh, if you... If you uh, follow Jennifer Hale on Twitter, like she's done, um, she's been doing a lot of work, like advocation for uh, video game voice actors and, you know, getting them a more fair deal. And I think, you know, residuals is a big deal. What it comes down to is like, if the game does well, then the voice actors get more money. And I, and I believe like voice actors are a big part of, of selling a video game these days, because uh, when I think of Mass Effect, I think of you know, the voice actors that played, uh, you know, Shepard and, and mm-hmm. Jennifer Hale was, was FemShep, a, a big part of that franchise. And, um, as we see now, when, when you have a big game, it is constantly resold, repackaged and put out there again, every 10 years. We've seen that with Mass Effect. Nintendo is a classic example of like yeah. constantly, yeah. uh, remaking their games. And I'm, um, I'm sure they they uh, Charles Martinet he he does well with with all of his many many roles with Nintendo. Again, assuming that they get like residuals or or whatever, like assuming it wasn't a flat fee when they first recorded it, right? Yeah, and and um, I, I think there's been a lot of discussion going around of you know how video games are voice acted, and there's a reason. Like when you play uh, the Jurassic World Evolution game. There's a reason that voice actor who is supposed to be Chris Pratt is not Chris Pratt. Isn't actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a reason you don't get a lot of big actors voice acting in video games because they they either get they're either, you know, being paid what they would normally be paid for for this type of gig in in a movie or they're not voicing it, you know, like cuz mm-hmm. they they do expect a certain pay. So, you know, I think what this is is like even if this conversation of what's going on with Helena Taylor and, and um, platinum games, like if there, there seems to be some missing information, obviously from, from both sides and we won't know all of it. We'll only know. I mean, um, uh, Helena Taylor seems to be doing, you know, most of the, the sharing in this aspect and, and probably breaking an NDA that she had signed by being part of the project at some point. Um, but as she said in one of her videos, like she doesn't care, like, what are they going to take? Like she's got, she says she has nothing, you know, she, she can't even put gas in the car. Right. Um, as she said, like she was looking for a more living wage, Mm -hmm. uh, to voice this iconic character again for the third time. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really 
crappy situation. And I think we got a hint of it when we first saw the trailers, when it was not the same voice actor. You know, it, you know, the people could tell right off the bat. Yeah. Um, it sounded like Bayonetta, but it wasn't exactly the Bayonetta we've we've come to know. So, like, whether we see more information with this story as it goes, I think the information we'll see is a more of a conversation of, like, how voice actors are compensated uh, mm-hmm. with video games. And we've seen a lot of stories from voice actors saying uh, how much they've been paid. Like, it's it'll be interesting to watch as it unfolds over the, the coming weeks, months, and, and even years, you know? Um, uh, so we'll see. And, and I think, you know, I think for some projects, I think residuals should be part of it. Like, especially yeah, if you're absolutely. voicing a big project. Yeah, I agree. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to see how this plays out and we will give you guys some updates, um, especially uh, probably on the boycott front. And and we haven't gotten into it too much tonight. And I, and I don't think we probably will because we're, we're running pretty long now anyways, but um yeah, I think uh, asking for a boycott is is always interesting, and and I'm not really sure that boycotts ever really work. I mean, and I know I'm I'm pretty familiar with people attempting to boycott, you know, Blizzard games and stuff for for good reasons. And I'm not saying that you know, like wanting better rights for workers or you know, wanting people to be paid fairly or you know, like not supporting the just absolutely horrid culture at these video game companies like those are all good causes and good reasons i'm just not sure if boycotting is the right way to go about it um ryan and i had a little bit of a conversation before we did the show and and you know like it's just so hard to get your message across because there can be so many different reasons like you might think in your echo chamber of your social media and your kind of friend group and and whatever discord you're part of, like in your bubble, you can think that a boycott is for reason A, but that might not be the reason that the company sees, you know, like there could be other people boycotting the game for other reasons that don't align with what you want to do. And, you know, the company might not even be taking that seriously and just looking at sales numbers and seeing them be low and then assigning whatever fits their narrative to those low sales. And they could just abandon an IP. Like there's so many different ways to interpret low sale numbers that I'm not sure boycotts are particularly effective. And I think that we've seen that like Blizzard is a prime example. They didn't get the message. Like, they lost so much money and they didn't get the message and they didn't change shit. (laughs) Like they're being sued again. So I don't know. I just like, whenever I see people calling for boycotts, it it always, like, I don't know what the correct response is. I don't know how to get a message across to a company like that. I don't know if we even can, but uh, I think we should keep trying. I'm just not sure if a straight up boycott is, right is the right way to go does that make sense like i i I don't want to sound like i'm sympathizing with the company or agreeing with the company in any way shape or form like i i feel for the voice actors but i don't know if boycotting is the right way to go yeah well i i think the conversation that comes back to there's a lot of folks that worked on the game um that that want to see it succeed and, and need to see it succeed uh but at the end of the day i think the best thing to come from these stories is just is the discussion is to is to have 
those chats about voice actors and how much they're paid and what they um, should be getting paid. Like you said, when I saw $4,000, I'm like, again, naive, not really understanding how voice actors are paid. Like that seemed low, you know, considering like nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Video games are a very (laughs) profitable business, but again, um, well, basically, like, so if the if the Jason Schreier piece is correct uh, and then, you know, she was asking for a six figure salary with residuals, like that's what I assumed the baseline pay for a main character in a video game would be like, I would expect them to make a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus residuals on the game if you are. Fem Shep, if you are Shepherd, like in a male Shep, <laughs> uh, like if you are the ma- especially in these games where it's not like a Link situation, it's not a Mario situation where you have two or three lines or some grunts and some growls. Like if you are voicing a character in a store, like if you're Kratos, we were just talking about God of War. If you are playing that main character and you have to convey a story and emotions, and we're not even talking about like movies, which are a couple hours long, like video games are... 50 hours (laughs) like that's so much work and so much content i assumed that what she was asking for according to jason schreier with a six-figure salary and residuals i assumed that was baseline so maybe it should be (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean uh i think i can't remember when the strike was but there was a strike i think in 2016 where voice actors went on strike for about a year and again like this I think the contract's up in it in in the next year. So like this specific instance, this conversation that's happening right now is probably going to uh is probably gonna affect those those contract discussions, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh it'll be interesting to see over the next year to follow this story and to follow those negotiations, which could lead to another strike, which did impact video games uh, in that mm-hmm. stretch uh, where video games had to use non-union actors or just were straight up delayed uh, until their voice actors could come back in. Um, I remember there was an impact. I think World of Warcraft specifically was impacted. They were working on an expansion at the time and they had a date to hit. So, yeah. So anyways, I mean, it'll be interesting to follow. Uh, obviously, this story is not done just yet, as, as you yeah. said, like, the the update was just posted right before recording so Mm -hmm. yeah so we'll keep you guys up to date as the story unfolds that's going to do it for us this week uh if you would like to join the conversation head on over to bit.ly slash tgi discord and if you'd like to support our extra life campaign that is found at bit.ly slash tgi extra life 2022 a reminder that ryan and the guys are streaming sea of thieves that is this friday october 21st starting at 8 p.m eastern uh, and other than that, you can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>